This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Hello and welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for... <laughs> My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Trevor, it's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new, what's that? I don't know. Whatever. Nina Simone, you know, we're here because we got something for y'all. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for this. We've got an interview with uh, a member of the Gorillas family that I, I feel like uh, is kind of on the end of the ones that I don't really know a ton about. Yeah, a little shrouded in mystery, but we've always been very intrigued by by his presence on on the humans record. We're talking, of course, about Circle of Friends uh, featured artist Brandon Markel Holmes. Yeah, I had a great time talking to him uh, with you. So let's let's, without any further ado, get into the interview. All right, let's hear from Brandon. Brandon, thank you so much for for coming on Howley Monkeys. Awesome. Brandon, it's so exciting to talk to you because I feel like you're in this whole category of Gorillaz collaborators where, you know, we can't we can't just go out and read a, an article about you in in Rolling Stone or whatever and it's kind of a blank canvas. You're in the imaginations of the Gorillaz fans, so I'm really excited to kind of get to know you. Absolutely. Yeah, Brandon, before we get uh, into Gorillaz-related stuff, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, this is something I've only just learned about you recently, but before you like established yourself as a singer, you were a classically trained theater actor, I believe. Is that correct? Absolutely, yep. I studied theater for four years, went to conservatory, um, did Shakespeare, did Chekhov, did all that cool stuff. Did some um, modern stuff as well. I had a really good time doing it. Um, did that for about maybe four years professionally. Nice. Dylan and I are both pretty big theater fans, uh, and we were wondering if there's any like dream role in a show that you would that would that you would really love to to do. Like if you were to tread the boards again, if you got the offer. Dream role in a show. Mm. I I typically play very eccentric characters. Um, Sometimes people who are like from other worlds and like very mystical. Um, sometimes I, I I played I played um, what's his name Orpheus from Polaroid Stories, which is like based on Greek mythology. Yeah, you ever you ever get into that method stuff? Are you like an Adler guy or a Strasberg guy? I'm a Stanislavski. I'm more Stanislavski and uh, Boleslavski. He's against method acting, actually. Um, It's more about really having enough separation from the character that you can play them truthfully, but still protect your own personal mental health and your own personal um, psyche. Because I think a lot of times, like, you know, I know you got to go crazy if you're going to play King Lear, shit like that. Actually, you don't. You don't have to go crazy. You can just really healthily get in the zone, um, and you can do that uh, soberly, and you can do that 
just by really, really um, believing in the work and believing yourself. I mean, I call it a form of like, just like really getting in the zone. I don't know, like some people do yoga, some people go running. But for me, if I have a really juicy role that I can really just disappear in, um, that is like the most intoxicating thing because there's like, so many things that you can explore. It's very interesting stuff. It's 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 real heady stuff too. I music, of course, is a is a fairly different art form, and that's where you find yourself. Now, our understanding of the story is that you know you found your way onto the Humans Project because of your prior relationship with uh, Anthony Kahn, the Twilight Tone, and uh, and my the way I heard is that the two of you guys like really bonded over your mutual passion for the history of Chicago music. And I was wondering just like offhand, who were the three greatest musicians in Chicago's history, in your opinion? Oh my God. That's such a hard question. But off the top of my head, definitely Curtis Mayfield, um, Minnie Ripperton. I think she moved to LA at some point. Um and Kanye West. What? <laughs> I can't deny it though. The dude was his pop music <laughs> mythology, despite his implosion. Yeah. I imagine that Kanye would be some some a dream collaborator up to a point, but now it's like so different. You know, now it's yeah. a different situation. Oh man, I I really only just respect his music and his artistry. Um, he's he's I was inspired by him so much growing up as a kid and people would compare me to him in the eighth grade because I used to wear uh, polo shirts with the collar flip uh, like Kanye and people were like oh Kanye we're all we all have our struggles but I I can only like take the things that I appreciate yeah well I mean you know Trevor Trevor you know what uh, Dexter Holland from the Osprey said about the art and the artist I believe he said that you got to keep them separated he, right he did he did and I think there's some wisdom to that uh I, I'd love you to just take us through the kind of chain of events that led to you being on humans what happens do you get a call from Anthony um so it's funny with with um me and Twilight Tone Twilight Tone this is a person who has a, a huge heart, very kind. It was a, it was over the course of a few months, um, and we talked about, you know, everything. We talked about theater. We talked about music. We talked about politics. We talked about education. We talked about philosophy. And I was actually introduced to him by a good friend of mine named um, Hiza. She lives in London, actually. Um, and I knew who he was, but it was like so much of when you're an artist and when you're an up and coming artist, you don't want to like clout chase or you don't want to, you know, uh, be a, be weird. And so I actually told Twilight Tone I was a teacher. Before. <laughs> I told him I was a teacher. I didn't even leave with I was an artist. I didn't even want him to know that. And I think eventually he found out I was an artist. And he asked me to hear music, and I sent him over stuff, and then he sent me a demo, and I wrote and recorded some stuff over it. And he was like, yo, man, you're cool. So then six months into our friendship, I got a text from him. He was like, yo, you want to work on this project? It's in New York. 
And I was like, who is it for? And he's like, I can't tell you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. He's like, but just give me your email and stuff. And they'll like, he's like, I got your email, you know? Uh, and I got, I literally got email like two days later <laughs> from um, the management. And they were like, we heard you want to be a part of this. Uh, let us know your information so we can make you an itinerary. <laughs> like you're flying out next week. And I was like, oh man, it was everything went so fast. So then did you you found out that it was gorillas because somebody from management said, like, hi, I'm so and so with gorillas? Yeah, pretty much. What's that moment and like? What was, Are you like what was yeah, what was your reaction to like finally learning out what the project was gonna be? I definitely was like, Thank God I can all probably quit this stupid job. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you'd made it. It was cool. I remember just going to work the next day. And I was working at a winery at the time, a really cool winery. It was a really cool job, actually. It wasn't a bad job. The day after, I was like, oh, my God, guys, like, the best thing happened. And and, and was, my friend was like, what happened? I was like, I can't really tell you, but it's really cool. It was definitely one of those moments. And the last time I think I ever felt like that was... Probably when I got accepted to college. Wow, that's that's a those are a couple of big milestones. You know, getting accepted yeah. to college, going to be on a Gorillaz album. Those are big milestones. So, Brandon, uh, you wound up uh, performing on quite a few tracks on Humans, uh, singing as part of the Humans Choir. But your most prominent feature is on the album's uh, final song, "Circle of Friends." Can you tell us uh, anything about like the story of how you transcended from? kind of a background performer to a feature performer on that track? I really just broke the rules. I really did. I, now that I look back, I was like, wow, I really could have gotten fired. And I really could have just gotten myself in trouble. But luckily, there was a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of just collaboration in the room. And, you know, Twilight Tone was very... You know, when I started singing out of turn, he welcomed it um, versus saying, like, what are you doing? You know, and then when it was over, Damon Albarn, you know, gave me, like, a, a hug and was like, yo, like, that was really cool. And he just, he just really um, celebrated it. And that was something that was beautiful um, to see. Because I, I didn't know what to do, but I, I did feel a very strong emotion to sing. I felt it, you know, and I just went with what I was feeling. And, you know, when you're in the industry of music, you try to you try to follow the rules. You try to be respectful. You try to make sure that you're not stepping on any toes. Um, but at the same time, the cool thing is when you're working with a group of people who welcome, like, just spontaneity. Um, that's that's so beautiful. That is so, so sick. What, that is so sick to know that you were just supposed to be there tracking your normal humans, and you just like, you know what? I'm gonna take a solo, and then next thing you know, there you are, featured artist on the last track on a Gorillaz record. Yeah, man, that still blows my mind. And every day, you know, I think about that. Of course, I mean, how can you not think about that? If someone will be lying if they say if they say that they can't think about one of the most prominent accomplishments that they've ever had in their entire career. Um, I think now it's more like motivation, right? It's motivation to keep going 
It's motivation and affirmation to keep working harder. It's motivation and affirmation to get there on your own, right? Or not, 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 not to diminish it, but to be like, okay, I did that and I got that opportunity. Now, what else can I do? Because if I was able to do that, that means I can do something even greater, if not at that level. So it's just like a nice, like, spark um, in your spirit to keep just going after it. And there's a lesson there to just take a take a big shot when you see that there's a big shot to be taken, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that, because I, I, I do struggle with that sometimes. I struggle with taking risks. Um, the, the last thing that I think I learned from... Uh, the last Gorillaz album called Humility. Um, I it, it it spoke to me in a lot of ways because it, it taught. There was a song. I think it was a song called Hollywood or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it talked about like this person who's like like walking to Hollywood, walking to the the center of corporate media, for lack of a better word, to like kind of garner the attention of the fame monster to their chasing fame in a way. Love it. And when I heard that song, I was like, I'm going to take note because I think I felt a tremendous amount of pressure after that record to chase the light and the fame and chase the, the press. And I realized that like, it was so exhausting in some ways. My mind evolved so much since then, and now I'm more in a place of, like, I just want to make great art. I just want to be the best artist I can be. Great. Forget, you know, magazines and television and views and likes. How can I be the best artist and the best human being I can be? Um, and I think, uh, for me, it's like when you, when you take that power for yourself and you don't extrinsically give that power away and the pursuit, but you say that I have all those things inside of me and I'm going to focus on that and I'm going to focus on building that vibration to a point where it spills out of my body and it's affectious and people are attracted to it and it's not something that I'm chasing. But I think that's a that's a, a great position to come from. So Brandon, you brought up uh you brought up Damon earlier and uh something that Dylan and I have learned about the humans production is that he often coached the collaborators on the context behind the songs they were performing on. Like for example, uh we talked to Kilo Kish and she said that when working on Out of Body Damon explained to her that it was about a seance in a castle. And we were wondering if that was something you also experienced. And uh, also how much like context the humans choir was given when working on these songs. Man, I want to say this one thing. Damon Alvin is a genius. Um, and the reason why I say that is because he's both a child and a father at the same time. I think the most brilliant artist are able to have childlikeness and be able to discover 
without judgment, but then are able to um, create the art through their discovery, and the art becomes a footprint of their thought process versus uh, versus them making the art with the result in mind. Damon came into the space with an idea, but he was open and malleable to being affected by the things in the environment and the people around him for that idea to evolve and progress. And the second part to that is that the human album was prophetic in a way. If you have not been paying attention in the U.S. news. Oh, yeah, of course. What just happened. That's what humans was about. Humans was about being brainwashed, um, being brainwashed by a powerful political figure who is able to control the minds of the masses through lies, falsehood. And, um, you know, brainwashing the song Halfway to the Halfway House is simply what just happened the other day. Cherry, Cherry, Cherry A Fountain, I'll Found Mercy. So when you think about uh, Jim Jones, right? Yeah. Um, and oh, that he was able to kill all those people because of his false information and them believing in this, this cult. He was able to control their mind, and that song, I felt, when I was doing that in the studio, I could feel, there's just the prophecy, just the prophecy of these people following these, this wicked, broken leader who's going to lead them to the pits of hell. Yeah, we talked a lot about just being in delusion. One thing... We used a lot of flashcards. Damon would write like lyrics or like things on flashcards, and he would show us, and we would like you know try to emulate that. Oh, interesting. What's the, what's an example of like something that might be? Would it be just a line from the song or like a weird phrase? Lyric, no, lyrics, just mostly lyrics. But it was interesting because I had never, you know, worked like that. You know, I thought it was a very like fundamental way of like communicating with your collaborators because there was a purity about it right there was something pure about seeing lyrics written on on like these flashcards with a with a marker um and that and there's something so analog about that as well that i i really like and i think that's what's so cool about gorillas right they're they are both analog and futuristic definitely Mm -hmm. So, so did Damon ever like specifically sit you down and be like, okay, so this is what Circle of Friends is about, or this is what's happening no. in Strobe Light? It wasn't like that. No, nope. he just was like, Sakula, <laughs> and, and then we just started singing it. We just started singing it, and it was like, it was, I felt like it was like little kids in a playground holding hands, right? That's what it feels and like. Then, yeah, definitely. And I just started, like, singing these these riffs. It was a very organic experience. It's so funny. I think he, like, left the room after we started all singing. And then he started listening from the sound, from the sound room. Cool. And afterwards, then afterwards, I came out, and I was like, I was like, can I have a picture with you? 
<laughs> he's like, no, you fucker, can I have a picture with you? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so wholesome. Yeah. As I've started to like get to know your voice better from your uh solo stuff, it's been so interesting to go back to 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 humans and really pick your voice out in different songs. Am I wrong? Are you one of the voices that's saying moments in the song moments? Absolutely. Sick. <laughs> I, yeah. I, sw- I could have swore that I was hearing some of your, your, your vowel sounds in that moment. You heard a lot of me on a lot of things on that album. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we also, we also know that you're on uh, Hallelujah Money, which is, again, one of those very prophetic songs uh, that you were talking about earlier. We interviewed another member of the Humans Choir, Melanie Charles. Uh, and Melanie! She, yeah, yeah the Flower. Right, we love her. She's great. She was our first guest. It was a big moment for the show. And uh, she talked about Halloween Money being in a very different state when you guys worked on it. Do you recall any like big differences between the material you worked on and what we got on the record? Some of that's a little foggy for me. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I remember Damon saying, like, I remember specifically saying, like, chemtrails. The chemtrails is like one part of the song. Chemtrails, um, yeah. I remember singing that. It was like, oh my God, like we're singing classical music right now. This is so beautiful. I don't really remember like much of the instrumentation that we were singing over, but I know that it was one of the most beautiful uh, moments of the recording because that was the moment we as the ensemble, the humans, were able to... um, like really find our leg um as as a harmonic group and that's when you really were able to hear everyone's skill and everyone was able to just you know find the right harmonies and it sounded like there was a bunch of us but it was not it it was very few of us and it was a wonderful experience Let, let me ask you was there anything you worked on for those sessions that did not make it onto the record any songs that were in some some state of completion that didn't eventually make it out i have no idea i don't i everything that i that i know that we worked on like uh made the made the album I think maybe one or one or two songs they probably ended up adding different elements to it afterwards, like different extra voices or whatever um when they got back to London, but most things yeah we were we were uh most of the stuff that I sang on was on the album yeah and it it sounds like from what you've told us like the the atmosphere in the room while you were working on the album was very wholesome very very friendly. But separately in interviews, uh, Damon and Twilight Tone have uh, since described, like, bickering with each other a lot in making the record. Is that something you were, like, ever... No, I never saw any of that. Gotcha. It was all love. It was all love and friendly, um, at least that I can tell. Um, and, they're, and they're artists, man. Like, come on. Like, when you're... There's two brilliant minds in a room. 
Like, somebody's going to fight. <laughs> like, you can't get around Sure, it. everybody's got a vision. Mm-hmm. It's just inevitable to happen, especially when you're working with people who are in very high levels of creativity and intelligence. It happens. Humans was also the first uh, of the Gorillaz records where Remy Kabaka became, like, one of the, the main musical uh, voices behind the scene. I think since he's kind of settled into a role as being Gorillaz's uh, beat programmer for the most part, but I'm just wondering, did you get a sense of the workflow between like Damon and, and, and tone and Remy, like whose job was what, and just kind of how was, was it that defined? Remy was always there and he was always around. We were always chatting and talking and he was, um, always just a cool voice in the room. And, um, Nice guy. I, I remember talking to him about craziness. Like, I was talking about some crazy film I was trying to make, and he was like, oh, yeah, you're trying to do that. And I was like, yeah. For the most part, Damon and um, Twilight were the, the the leaders of those sessions, and, and also the engineer, of course, um, who was taking notes from Damon. I think sometimes, like, Damon's really 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 genius and i think sometimes sometimes ideas come to him so fast and he wants to get them out and he wants to get them out as best as he can and you know his primary language of communicating is music and so he would have to sit at the piano you know to sometimes get the the idea across that we were trying to get and i think twilight tone his primary language is music as well and so sometimes i think we have to figure things out just by doing them through the music um, to get to the right place. Because because when you're dealing with sonic things and sonic vibrations, sometimes there aren't words to kind of communicate. Sometimes you just have to like create an example um, in order to get to the bottom of it. Totally. Yeah. And, but some definitely. people some people call that bickering, but I call it just like discovering and exploring the process yeah, that's, that's the creative process yeah so we're we're really interested in talking to you about uh, some of your own solo material but before we move on to that is there any do you have any other like stories or anything that jump out in your memory from those sessions that you'd like to share i mean besides the one you already know when <laughs> we went to uh jamie jamie hewitt we went to his art opening and it was a beautiful show, man. It was cool. He did the stuff of like with tarot cards and like angels and like it was like all these tarot readings, but they were art pieces and they were so beautiful. And I just remember like I did I think I just forgot who I was with. I thought I was on a regular music gig. <laughs> and we get out the car and there's like people like Standing outside in line with gorillas books, oh, like yeah. wanting to be signed, and I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, it's like you joined the circus or something. Very weird. I, yeah, I was like, I was like, "Well, this is wild." But I got to talk to Damon that, after that, and that was like the last session. And I remember him saying, "Like, he hugged me and was just like, yo, circle of friends." Circle with friends. That's what it's all about. <laughs> he walked out. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Brandon, we've both really been enjoying the record that you put out last year, Museum of R&B. Uh, that material was originally 
in a very different presentation. It was like an immersive live experience at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. Boy, can you give us a picture of what those performances were like? That sounds like a really avant-garde thing. Oh, man. Um, do I have... If you look at my Instagram, you could probably see some of the photos from there. But it was beautiful because it was both rugged and polished at the same time. So I had these, like, really, like, high-level produced videos, but the space was also kind of, like, torn apart with, like, paper all over the floor. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now. It was really, like, you experiencing my art process live. Like, it was just, like, being inside of my brain for a week. It was a week, five-day residency. It had nothing to do with the Gorillaz um, album. I had performed in a garage three years prior to that, or two years prior to that. And the curator from the museum was there, and she saw me singing on stage, and no one was listening to me. No one was listening to me perform. Um, Everyone was just talking and drinking. And I was getting really frustrated, and I was, like, losing confidence in my performance because people sometimes when people are in a space and they have alcohol they don't want to listen to what's happening and I just started like ripping off my clothes <laughs> and, and, and walk and walking up to people and interrupting their conversations and like standing in between them and like falling on the floor and singing and like walking up to people falling on the floor singing while like taking my clothes off because I was so mad at them for not listening. And the curator was there, and she was just like, what? And then she calls me, like, two years later, or a year later. She's like, I saw your performance. I thought that was so cool what you did. She's like, I've never seen a performer, like, you know, fight like that to be heard or to share their art. And she was like, you know, I want to offer you a residency at the Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, I think you'll be great for this series we're doing. That's see, that's a perfect. See, this is so similar to the Circle of Friends story in that. Yeah, it's this opportunity that grew out of an impulse that you had. Right, man, you got to trust your instincts. You've got great instincts. <laughs> thank, thank you. My my professor always told me that. My um, my late professor uh, Bill Raffeld, he just he just died uh, last year, which is sad. But oh, rest in peace. I know he was really old. Like he lived a great full life. Is there is there a greater like concept behind that material on Museum of R and B or behind the project in general? The title is very evocative. It makes to me it calls to mind of like. I don't know, like somewhere in the distant future, people go to a museum to learn about this thing that used to exist called R&B. Hmm, that's, that's exactly why I created it. I was frustrated. I was really frustrated. I was angry because I was making this music that I really cared about. And I had so many people telling me that no one would care about it that no one should care about it, that people aren't making R&B. If you want to make it, if you want to be an important artist, you need to be rapping or you need to be doing something else. I think the issue is 
it's not that R&B is dying. It's, it's, a, it's who's allowed to sing it is the real question. Mm. Who is allowed to sing R&B? And right. so the reason why I created the name Museum of R&B um, was to reintroduce power to it, to give it back its power, to restore its dignity, to restore its integrity, to restore its value. Um, and that's the reason why I called it the Museum of R&B. I said, you know, since you guys want to say it, terrible or dying i'm like well actually i'm gonna say the opposite i'm gonna say it's so amazing it's so elevated that it is now fine art and you cannot access it unless (laughs) you're on the level genius and it's called museum of r&b and i am waiting i just i got my first Notice back from the patent office about it, and they told me it wasn't commercial enough. So I had to rewrite a proposal, but I think it's going to go through now. But when I get get it back in the mail, who knows when? Um, hopefully, I will be the proud owner of the Museum of R and B trademark. Hell yeah! Got to build the real brick and mortar museum. Yeah. That record is so good, dude. So many good songs on that. Tamika, three four five one zero. Welcome to America is really good. Right beside you, I recommend any Gorillas fans who have not investigated Brandon's solo work to start there. I think that's a great record. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. I've I worked on that record for a long time, and then uh, we I repackaged it, rebranded it, and re-released it. Last year, um, I'm, I got to do it with a really cool label in Williamsburg and in New York City, and we're just building it out, you know. We're making it better. Um, and I got a lot of new other music on the horizon. Got some cool stuff coming out. We've heard, we've heard, we've heard a whisper about uh, potential future collaboration with, you know, in the in the in the Gorillas community. The song that you were on, "Circle of Friends," that that phrase has kind of become like a shorthand that people use to refer to other collaborators who've worked in the group, you know. And uh, and it seems that you might have some material on the horizon with another member of the circle of friends, the late, the great Tony Allen. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Um, I was able to work with him back in 2018. Well, so one day I walk in the studio and Tony Allen's just sitting there with, with my engineers. And I worked with, like, I worked with him like twice a week on, on my new stuff. And Tony Allen's just sitting there and I'm like, Kev, I'm like, you know Tony. He's like, yeah, he's a part of the Afro Chicago Afrobeat project. And wow. then I remember, and then I remember getting home, and um, I talked to Kevin on the phone. He's, we pretty much talked about just, you know, me doing a record with Tony because of the connection to the Gorillas as well. Um, we were just talking about like what instrumentation did I like. And Tony was playing the drums on all of them. And the record that I did with Tony is so good. It's it's a really great piece because there's a new Afrobeat 
that's really cool um, in, in Nigeria and it's also like kind of becoming the new pop. And I love it. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. But there's still there's still the old school Afrobeat where it's like Fela Kuti and Tony Allen. Um, this record that I did with Tony is old school. It's using oh, the old cool. school like instrumentation, the old school like chord progression, old school percussion. But my delivery and flow is very like new. It's new school. It's like I'm like singing and singing really fast. You know, and um, it was cool working with Tony because I started recording and he was still there. He gave me a couple of notes and he was like, I think you should do some vocal stacks like this right here. And uh, can't wait for people to hear it. I don't know when it's coming out. I have no idea when it's coming out. Cool. Yeah, I I can't wait to listen to that. Uh, Tony Allen is like, you know, obviously a legend and a huge get as a collaborator. Before we let you go, who's another dream artist you hope to someday add to your own musical circle of friends? I'd like to work with Damon again. That's cool. I like Damon. Me and Damon got along pretty well. I really like talking to him and hanging out with him. Um, I would probably want to work with artists that's like current. It's like a list. I mean, Kurt, Curtis is no longer with us. Minnie Riperton's no longer with us. So we're. I mean, I mean, the only artist that I would probably want to work with right now <laughs> is Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> the Queen Bay, absolutely. She would be. She would be a great match for a project like a like a museum of R and B. That kind of super conceptually bent, you know. Art, soul stuff—that's right up Bay's Bay's alley. She would, she, she should be a a Brandon Markel Holmes fan, in my opinion. I like her. I like Bay. I love Beyonce. Um, That's like a secret of mine. I'm like a huge Beyonce fan. (laughs) I keep it like hidden. It's like my secret power. Brandon, thanks so much for sitting down with us. What a fun talk and and very illuminating about this cool chapter in the band's history and in your history as an artist. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out and having me and um, being patient. I have a new record coming out on Friday. <gasps> Friday? It's called Mad. Um, it drops on January 15th, 2021. Check it out. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Apple. It'll be on everything. Um, the song is about two Americas. It's about two different Americas that we live in, right? Um, and it's from the perspective of people who have experienced like injustice. And this song is specifically like Breonna Taylor um, and Fred Hansen, of course. Rest in peace. Yeah, but it's a really cool song. It's really cool, really cool instrumentation. Comes out Friday. I have a trailer on my Instagram page. So if you follow me, check it out love it you could pre-save it encourage everybody to give that a spin and and thanks again so much for coming on hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again down the road and uh, and and yeah let's let's stay in touch thank you so much thank you guys thanks for coming on the show brandon
super bright guy, super creative dude. Really fun to hear those stories. Love to hear that 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 feature just grew out of him saying like, "I see a gap. Fuck it, I'm gonna take a solo." That's so good. Yeah, and you know, with all the crazy fucked up stuff going on lately, what 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 better way to start the year than with some nice heartwarming stories about the human sessions? Yeah, great. Just took me right back there, man. It's good to have you as my co-host and all of our listen listeners in our own uh, Hallelujah Monkeys circle of friends. And now, nice to have Brandon also in that circle of friends. Very cool. Yeah, definitely be interested in having him back on the show to talk about all of his future projects whenever he, whenever he's whenever he feels down to do it. Definitely, definitely going to keep a close watch for that Tony Allen collab. That sounds right up my alley. Can't wait. Oh for yeah, that. I'm I'm very psyched for that. That should be pretty cool. Pretty weird that we just talked to Joan as policewoman last month. She also has an upcoming Tony Allen collaboration. Are we going to learn over the course of this year that all these Gorillas collaborators have these secret Tony Allen projects forthcoming? I mean, you know, considering the quality of that guy's work, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to as many collaborative Tony Allen albums as we can get. We, uh, we will be doing a Tony Allen project uh, this season when we get to that phase. But Trevor, I do want to go ahead and let uh, the people know we will be back very soon uh, with a review from a record from a member of the Gorillaz family who just recently passed, MF Doom. I won't get into it too much here, but I, I know that that's been, that impacted both of us in a very heavy way. So we wanted yeah, to just... That, that was a real bummer, and I'm definitely looking forward to sitting down with you and hashing out all of our feelings yeah absolutely we'll be back for that we'll be back for some hot sauce uh discussions oh i can't wait for that and let's just lay out we're doing something different this year we're gonna this is kind of outside of that i guess but we're gonna start trying to do two of these a month and do kind of a, a different approach where we do one record review every month and then one other you know a little bit weirder out of format gorillas focused episode trevor yeah i've been i've been looking forward to this it's going to be good to talk more about like some hardcore gorilla stuff not just their collaborators music definitely i know on the pipeline after our mm food review we're, we'll be back to uh review and discuss the we are 10 special which fans have long been beating at our doors trying to yeah, get us to review I that I don't know too much about this We Are 10 thing, but uh, people have been consistently asking us to cover it for, it seems like, years by this point. I believe it's the final piece of, of Cass Brown lore, so I look forward to experiencing it for that reason. And then, you know, throughout the year, we're going to do other weird things. For example, we want to do some call-in shows where we're going to go back to our live stream format, have listeners calling in at a number that we'll announce beforehand on a specific topic. I know one of them we had in mind was let's all build a gorilla's theme park together. So we'll have you call in, you know, with ideas for rides or maybe themes instagrammable food items that you could buy in the gorillas theme park things like that funny weird silly things 2021 how you monkeys we're back the future looks bright for the show uh before we get to any of that stuff though do you want to do you want to tell everyone where they can find us online before we sign off for now 
Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at Gorillas Fancast. Uh, you can donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash howlouyoumonkeys. Only $1 will get you access to our backlog of exclusive Patreon content and reviews. Uh, you can also just go to howlouyoumonkeys.com if you want all of our other links and bits and bobs. So go ahead and do that. And while you're on your, while you're on your device and, you know, hitting follow buttons and stuff, why don't you follow my friend and collaborator Trevor Ickrath on Twitter at TRVRKRTH with Trevor Ickrath with all the vowels taken out. And after you do that, why don't you follow my wonderful and lovely co-host Dylan Flynn on Twitter at Dylan Flynn. Be good to yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. It's a new year and we're trying to get hit this reset button together. Come down to earth a little bit. Let's drink water. Let's send out texts to people we love saying, hey, I love you. How you doing? Send out the check-in text. You know, let's start. Let's start brand new. As Brandon Markel Holmes once sang, every day. See the world brand new, Trevor. That's right, Dylan. Uh, but for now, I'll just say that I'm Trevor Ickrath. And I'm Dylan Flynn. Don't get lost in heaven. Demo. Circle love, circle love, circle love, circle love, friend. Circle love, circle love, circle love, circle love, friend. Circle love, circle love, circle love. Circle of friends Circle of, circle of, circle of Circle of friends